From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. After a slow start to the year, Minneapolis-based Sons of Norway has seen a spike in sales of life insurance products amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Chris Pinkerton, the Fraternal Benefit Organization's new CEO, says the timing isn't coincidental. Quote, life insurance is not something that the typical consumer is just rushing out to buy, said Pinkerton. But when there's an occurrence that makes you think about your own mortality and the impact that it will have on your family, people will take action, end quote. Sons of Norway, which has 300 lodges and provides life insurance and annuity products, holds more than $365 million in assets in 38 states. From January through July, the company sold 1,469 life insurance policies, up more than twofold from the same period in 2019. Pinkerton assumed his new role as CEO in March, just before the state went into lockdown. Previously, he was the chief operating officer of Sons of Norway which recently opened a new headquarters in Minneapolis' uptown neighborhood as part of a mixed-use development. In the following interview, Pinkerton talks about starting his new job just before the state lockdown, the impact of COVID-19 on life insurance sales, and more. Well, I'm pleased to be joined by um, Chris Pinkerton, um, CEO of the Sons of Norway. a fraternal organization and provider of life insurance and annuities. And um, really happy to, to join you today, Chris. And um, I have to say full disclosure, I'm 100% Swedish, so I hope we can still have a good conversation here. Well, um, to be honest, and thank you for having me, uh, to be honest, I'm only 3% Norwegian personally, uh, so I won't take as much offense to the fact that you're Swedish as a full-blooded Norwegian might. Uh, I understand they get uh, they get kind of randy with one another in terms of that, but uh, thanks for having me. It's all good. It's all in good fun. So, yep. um, so uh, I, I know just looking at your bio, uh, Chris, it looks like before you became CEO, you were COO of Sons of Norway, um, an insurance organization which holds more than $365 million in assets in 38 states. And during the past two years, um, you developed some new insurance and annuity products that increased certificate sales growth uh, 195%. Um, so I wonder if you could just back up a little bit and give us a little bit of an overview of Sons of Norway and sort of what your mission is and how long you've been around and that sort of thing. Well, Sons of Norway celebrated their 125th anniversary in January of this year. Uh, It was started by a group of Norwegian immigrants who were having trouble being able to cover, um, you know, what would happen should they prematurely pass away or or get sick. And so they pooled their money uh, for purposes of uh, ensuring one another against that and it kind of grew out of it. Uh, it is both, the way I like to describe a fraternal benefit organization, 
because they're not well known. Is it a combination of what I'll call a, a social organization, uh, a social benefit in terms of a community focused organization and an insurance company? And the insurance company part is there to really pay the bills uh, for the balance of the organization, the social part of the organization, uh, but also to make sure that the members are taking care of uh, their loved ones and their family in case they should pass away prematurely or should they be preparing for retirement and want to get an annuity product. And so that is really the basis of most fraternals. Uh, Thrive here also in town uh, is a fraternal. Their focus happens to be, uh, was on, on Lutheran uh, folks and then more broadly Christians as the years go by. Ours is a folks with a Nordic background uh, or born in the, in the country of Norway. Okay, great. And we should mention that you're based right here in the Twin Cities. In fact, I believe you have a brand new home in the Uptown neighborhood, is that right? We do. Uh, we were in Uptown. Uh, we built the last headquarters we have was built in 1960, which we sold approximately two and a half years ago. Uh, now there is an apartment complex with a business front to it, and we occupy the front of that. So we're happy to be back. We were gone for a while, uh, but we are. We're right in the Uptown area. Great. So you started your new duties as CEO, I believe, in March, as we, as, as I alluded to before. Uh, what was that like to just dive right in at such a difficult and challenging time when the pandemic was just kicking in? Right. Well, luckily, I had been here uh, for some period of time as the chief operating officer. Uh, but I, I received the, uh, the offer on the 9th of March and the following week, uh, Minnesota went into lockdown. And so we went from having 45 to 50 employees in the home office uh, to about five or six people actually in the office at any one moment with the balance of our folks working remotely, including customer service and all the rest of those things. So really the only people that were in the office on a regular basis for those doing cash transactions, you know, processing the money, processing the outflow of mail and those types of things. And so it was a bit of a change, uh, put a strain on our IT capabilities, uh, but we managed to fairly quickly uh, have people with laptops take them home and be able to dial into the system uh, remotely and also to transfer their office lines to their cell phones so that they could take customer service inquiries at home. And so it was an abrupt change, but it was one that was really taken care of fairly well in a short period of time. And actually business has continued to grow since uh, the beginning of the lockdown and uh, has continued right to this moment. Yeah, I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit. I understand that uh, you have seen a spike in sales of life insurance policies in recent months. And um, can you, expand on that a little bit and talk about what may be driving those numbers? Sure, a couple of things. One is just um, when you're going through something like this pandemic, where the possibility of going from being quite healthy uh, to being gravely ill, uh, people start thinking about life insurance more than they typically do. Uh, life insurance is not something that the typical consumer is just rushing out to buy. 
But when there is an occurrence that makes you think about your own mortality and the impact that it'll have on your family, people will take action. And the reason that we were able to grow during this time, there are a couple of, of good ones. One, we enable the insurance agents to be able to meet with their clients uh, without doing it face-to-face. -face. They could do it over a Zoom call such as this, and we could actually take the application electronically and they could submit it to us so that we could get that process started. So there wasn't the typical requirement you have to sit down face-to-face and go through it. And so we enabled the process to be easy even during COVID. Secondly, over the last year and a half, we've developed products that are either guaranteed issue or simplified issue. And so it doesn't require a doctor's exam and other things. So when you take that type of product with that process, uh, it enables you to respond to the demand and uh, we've had a lot more of it. It's grown this year from maybe 200 uh, policies in a month to well over four, and it's still growing. Mm -hmm. And what's your forecast for uh, 2021? Do you see continued growth or? Uh, I do. I, I think even uh, if we get COVID under control, and Lord knows I hope we do, I think people have gotten used to dealing electronically and on, on Zoom calls uh, with things like financial services. And so I think that type of thing will continue. Uh, I also think that if we make sure that when we create new life insurance and annuity products, we have that dynamic in mind that we'll be able to make things easier for consumers to buy coverage uh, in that way or in any way they choose. Uh, we might even be able to offer it directly over the internet without, uh, as they say, human intervention in the process. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what some of the new products are. Can you give me an example or two of? Sure. Uh, we have typically offered your your whole life uh, policies, which where the premium stays the same for the entire time you have it. Uh, we've offered universal life, which grows with the interest rates. But up to recently, we've never really offered guaranteed or simplified issue products. A guaranteed issue life insurance product says that if you apply for it and you pass away uh, for any reason, uh, if it's within the first two years, uh, we will return to you your premium as well as interest. But if it's after the two years, uh, we will pay the full death benefit to you um, for any reason. On the simplified issue side, and that the maximum amount we're talking about there is a $25,000 policy. Mm -hmm. On the simplified issue side, you do answer medical questions. Uh, we do get a number of reports, uh, but we don't ask you to take an exam or anything like that. And we'll go up to 50,000 on that type of policy with, again, very little uh, interaction required with the policyholder as far as going to a doctor or having blood tests or anything like that. And so that form of life insurance has gotten more popular over the last 10 years as people's uh, schedules get a little more hectic and things are quite busy, people don't have time for it. And so this enables them to gain the life insurance they need, but still not have to dedicate a lot of time to it. And for us, it's been quite a boon to our sales. Mm -hmm. uh, and going forward, we hope to be able, as I mentioned on the internet, offer policies directly on the internet so that people can interact in that way. Mm. 
Okay. And circling back to your new headquarters there um, in Uptown, are you are you is it kind of lonely there right now? Or are people most people working from home still, or what's the feeling like there? Yeah, it is a little lonely here. Uh, it, it's not as lonely as it was in say the March through May timeframe. Uh, we're probably up to about 15 people that will be working in the office on any one day, uh, building set up really for 50 or 60, and in a way. Hey, that's good because it allows us to spread people out, make sure there's plenty of distance between them. And we use Zoom and Microsoft Teams calls a lot. I've probably had five meetings today that have been on in that format and only one that was face-to-face -face with someone, you know, 10 feet apart across the table, but nonetheless. Uh, so yeah, it gets a little lonely here. When, when did you move in there? Uh, late June, early July of this year. Okay. So we've still... gone about, uh, about two years. Okay. Uh, is there still construction going on around there? Um... It's finally, it's, it seems we've finally gotten it to, uh, to the point where there aren't as many trucks around us and, and other things. And so I think they're pretty much done. The apartment complex is, is leasing and there are tenants in there now. And we have tenants also moving into the businesses uh, next door to us. So things are picking up a little bit. Okay. What do you like about that location? Uh, there's an energy you get from being downtown. Uh, for, for two years, uh, we were out uh, closer to Lake Minnetonka on a suburban basis, and it was great. But, you know, you, you don't have the opportunity to have people be able to duck in if they're working downtown and be able to talk about something. And so there is an energy uh, that, that comes from being downtown that I did miss when we moved away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's more convenient for a lot of different things. Yeah, a lot of transit options and Absolutely. things like that. So what, uh, what, uh, what, what else is on your plate right now? Are you looking at uh, any, any um, legislative initiatives or anything like that? Nothing uh, seems to be on the horizon for right now. I think COVID has is, is occupied the mind of a lot of legislators in, a different, in, a, in addition to all the consumers that are out there. I think what we're looking forward to doing is again, trying to make it easier to do business with us, uh, trying to uh, help our lodges, because as I said, we're also a social organization. We have 300 lodges spread around the United States, Canada, and Norway. And, you know, people have been accustomed to getting together at those lodges, and they can't do that right now. And so we've tried to facilitate or help them facilitate the process of getting together via Zoom or other ways, because there's a whole social network of people that are connected that run the risk of being disconnected because of all that's going on. As a matter of fact, because many of them are older, they're more at risk for being disconnected. Mm -hmm. And so we try to help them get accustomed to the technology that will enable them to talk, providing topics uh, and education and those types of things that they can talk about mm -hmm. and basically just maintain some sort of a social contact. Yeah. Well, hopefully by the time uh, Sitende Mai rolls around next year, we'll be in a better position to uh, gather and enjoy each other's company. Thank you. Keep a good thought. So Chris, is there anything else you'd like to say before I let you go? It's been a fun conversation. It has. Um, 
you know, it's important. I, I think the, the people in the United States around the world are really not so much getting used to this, but finding ways to work around it. And it's certainly something that we've done as well. If you had told me um, for what, after one week of being CEO that I'd see the vast majority of the people working from home and that we would be able to not only uh, continue to do business, but grow, I would have been shocked. And as, as good of experience as it has been to find a way to kind of master that, I don't wish 2020 on anybody. Yeah. I think we can all second that. <laughs> well, thank you again for your time, Chris. It's been, it's been great chatting with you. Good luck. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.